Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of is this place haunted? This place I'm doing is. And this place I'm in is. I know. Um, oh, How I are you, me? Lauren? How you doing? Uh, I'm all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right this week. Um, had a busy weekend. You know, weird start to the year. It's a bit of like I'm. It's almost like I'm waiting for things to kick off. It's a bit kind of like. Mm. It's almost like you're waiting for. It's like the calm before the storm. I hope so because I'm like, I'm like, when's my solo singing career gonna kick off? I've been trying real hard doing nothing. Babes, <laughs> mm, your EP didn't do that well. <laughs> Honey, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm so talented. Like, sit. I'm like sick talented. Like your your album, your debut album would be called Or Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Whatever. And now for her, it's solo or whatever or something like that. And people something. would be like, what does it mean? What's the meaning? <laughs> I'm gonna write a song called Or Whatever and I'll sing it. Yeah, she should. That sounds incredible. Or whatever. <laughs> I it's just top phrases. But yeah, no, it's been a weird start to the year. I think that's fair to say. Um, I've not been manifesting as much, though, as you have. I've not been manifesting as much as you have, and I need to get back into it. I need to start visualising my future. I'm doing, like, so the app that I use for meditation is doing 21-day challenge. So I've been doing that. But also, I've been doing the magic with my book club. I need to do that as well. And... I don't know if like change is coming like a lot of us are feeling a bit weird and like I was saying to you the other day I felt really off and I mm. honestly like rarely have days like that I know you're like the most positive person I've ever met thanks gal no, normally yeah. I can like snap myself out of it and I'm like right I'll go walk I'll meditate but yeah. I was really off and I don't know if it's because change is coming um who knows, who knows? I know cause, like I didn't even know what to say to you because I've never had to like actually have that proper like like I've never with other friends I have but like I'm not so I was a bit like 
what the fucking hell am I supposed to say here? <laughs> I was like, because like you're normally so like, yeah, come on, like pure upbeat and stuff. So I was like, oh, this is a strange thing, role reversal. Because I feel like you've been there more for me since we've, been- we've both been there for each other. But um, you've had, yeah. you've had, uh, you've had, you've had more difficult things to deal with than I have. I think recently, I think last year for sure. Yeah, definitely. But like, but I'm glad. I'm hoping you're feeling better. You're feeling more buzzed up. I definitely am. I think. I don't think the time of year helps any. <laughs> we won't mention. I'm laughing because well. Lauren's basically like voguing at me on the screen. <laughs> yes, sorry, I don't doing ASMR in her own face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I am. I'm feeling a little bit better. Good. Potentially go to Northern Ireland in a few weeks, you know. What? For work. Oh, for fuck's sake. Are you, you're not moving there, are you? Temporarily. For how long? I don't know. There's not really many jobs left. So my job here ends next week. So you're going to Northern Ireland? I think so. Oh, for fuck's sake. Unless summer comes up in Scotland before, but to be honest, I love Irish people. I don't know. I just would not go to Ireland. I don't know. I'm just not really that into it over there, but you are. I don't think I've ever fancied an Irish girl in my life. I mean, I've never fancied an Irish girl, but I've definitely fancied an Irish boy. I know. But I've never <laughs> You're like, a girl. <laughs> but, like, as someone who's, like, 80, 20, I wouldn't, I've never fancied an Irish man either. No. Never in my life. Never in my puff. Really? No. Why? I don't know. know. I don't know. You're the exception is not the rule, I think. Everybody loves Irish. (laughs) You're like, I'm so different. No, like quite seriously, I can't think of one Irish person I've ever found. Oh, wait, no. I I tell a lie. This is quite embarrassing, actually. Um, So you you were probably too young, right? But see when Big Brother first started in 2000, right? Castaway started and Big Brother, the first ever series of Big Brother... What a time to be alive. Oh, I'll tell you. And I must have been about 12 or 13. And I think I was having, although I always kind of knew I was gay, I kind of had a bit of a sexual awakening. Actually, I've seen this podcast. I just remember that this is our main podcast. Um, Anyway, I I became, I used to have little girl crushes, but I remember I was really obsessed with, our name was Anna Nolan. And she was the Irish non-lesbian that was in the first series of Big Brother. And she nearly won it. And I actually think she nearly won it because I must have voted for about a hundred times. She nearly won and, it because I used my mum and dad to say things. <laughs> yeah, literally. My mom, I'm, I'm surprised my mum and dad didn't kill me for that. Maybe they did. But anyway, um, I remember she's probably the only Irish person I've ever fancied. I'm not even joking. Right, this is going to sound cliche, but I'm going to preface this with it's not what you think, right? Okay. I would honestly let Jamie Dornan do anything to me. But, 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 but. Yeah. Not as Christian Grey. Like as the serial killer in the fall. <laughs> you said that before. And I agree with Do you get what you I mean? That. Yeah, do I do. Mean? I don't fancy him. He's not my type. Oh my god, he can like remove my eyelids if he wants. <laughs> yeah. I used to be he could shave like me bald. He could do whatever he wants to be. Do you know it's really funny? Me and my best friend, Alex. I don't know if I've told you this, Lauren, but um when we're I don't even want to say when we're drunk 
but when we're drunk too, we talk about like so. Mine's is Jamie Dornan in the fall. Uh huh. Hers is Jason Momoa, like our ultimate. Like oh my god, can do anything to me, and so like we were really drunk in the pool in France, and uh, so she was like to me, "Would you let him chop off your labia?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Would you let him <gasps> eyeball?" And she was like, "Yeah." And then my friend Callum walked over, and he was like, "What the fuck is going on?" We just take it so far because we're like, and I'm like, would you let him remove your eyebrows? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, would you let him amputate your left foot? She's like, yeah. Is it, I've never seen the fall. Is this because because this what he does? Does he like sever people? No, no. Oh right, okay. This, so is, this goes for <laughs> this goes for Jason Momoa as well. Like, would you oh. let Jason Momoa, you know, remove your ribs? Yes. No, do you know this? I don't think there's anyone I would let sever off any of my limbs. I think I'm, I think it's like it, we are joking. Like I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, but I get where you're coming from. The need for that body on body love for them is is high, and you've demonstrated it through that. Yeah, analogy. Um, oh, I tell you what, I don't even know who I think that way about now. Do you fancy in the fall? Because I feel like you would fancy Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson. One <laughs> billion percent. And by the way, I have loved Gillian Anderson probably from X Files to now. I would take Gillian Anderson as a as a soul mate and lover all my life from from young to now. And I don't care if she's like sixty or whatever. She's I feel like, like she's only got better though with oh, age. She has. She really has. I do love Gillian Anderson. Do you know, I've yeah. never watched Sex Education, but I've heard it's really good. <gasps> Oh, do you know I love that actually? Me and I really good it. I have to stop saying someone's name, but um, I think we... I spoke over it, so you're all good. All right, good. Um, um <laughs> our, I yes, we loved it. We, it was the one series I have to say that me and my former partner—well, it was not one, one of many—where we like both loved it. So I would highly recommend it. It's really, really good. Yes, I need to watch um, it then. It's, and it's not even like it's not like one of those schmaltzy like teen dramas. It's like really, really well written. So I love it. I need to I watch it. it. Do you know? Um, there's so many series I need to watch. There's I still need to watch Peaky Blinders. I find that very boring. I need to watch Better Call Saul because I've watched Breaking Bad. No, I don't watch that. I need to watch it. I've heard of really good things. I've heard it's actually better than Breaking Bad from a lot of people. I never watched Breaking Bad. Oh. <gasps> No, I'm a Sopranos. I'm a Sopranos kind of girl. I watched Breaking Bad when it was Breaking Bad when it was locked down, and it's a slow burn initially. And I remember being like, mm. and then when you get into it, you're like, oh, like the ending. Oh my god, I was so shooketh. I see everyone goes on about Breaking Bad, and like I started watching Succession as well, and that's. How far are we into this episode, by the way? <laughs> yeah, um, another good series, if anybody's looking at some, is Dope Sick. Have you seen that? I watched Dope Sick, yeah, that's really, really good. Oh, in fact, can I make a recommendation to our listeners? Um, yeah. my One of my favourite podcasts ever is Welcome to Your Fantasy, which is about the Chippendales and all like the murder story behind it and stuff. Welcome to Chippendales is now on Disney+, and I have loved every episode since it's Oh, there's really dark history in the Chippendales. There's a True Crime and Cocktails episode. Yeah, well, wild. Know, listen, guys, recommend this podcast. Welcome to your fantasy, amazing podcast. That's how I learned about it all because she went down all the sort of side stories and stuff. And I learned about it from shockingly my fave podcast, True Crime and Cocktails. They did an episode on it. I must listen to their podcast on it. Really good, wow. really good, but it's dark. Yeah, um, 
Well, before we move on to the episode, good opportunity to say we have a full other episode every week on Patreon. Now, that is a lot of us talking shit. But that's yeah. that's what you that's what you guys want. For a mere three pound a month, you'll have four extra episodes. No brainer. <laughs> it isn't a no brainer. I'm I'm like proper like yeah, I just feel like um I actually feel like patrons are super interesting because it gives us flexibility to talk about so many different topics. And also we are very open there. Like there's no editing. <laughs> there's no editing at all. Like you so- we're airing our dirty laundry there. Even more so than now, so you can only imagine. <laughs> I know. Well, if you want all the filthy goss. <laughs> the housewives chat, etc. I know, I actually... I still think we should have a dedicated podcast to Bravo. Babes, tell me when. Or our other idea, which was really good, actually. We it's a really good to, idea. We actually have to develop that properly, though. Yes. And... Any- Shall we move on to this episode? Yes, I'm really excited to hear it. I do as well. I'm excited to talk about it. So this week I'm going to talk about Greyfriars Kirkyard, the Covenanters prison, and bloody Sir George Mackenzie. So I was going to ask what you know about it, Lauren, but I know will probably be quite a lot. Yeah, I might as well like give everyone my address or whatever, like on these ones. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, remember that one time when I lived in blah blah blah. Um, I I know quite a lot about it because I could see it from the window and like you know I love all that spooky shit and I've been on tours for the Covenant I, I've been into the Covenant prison quite a few times and I've been in Mackenzie Portergeist nothing's ever happened to me though nothing has mm-hmm. ever happened to me on the tours or whatever which is always a disappointment well never- yeah totally and it's so overhyped that you might I know, I know. I I have heard stories like I've heard like people have had experiences yeah. like and it's a yeah. famous tale but. And nothing ever happened to me. Although one night, let me tell you, well, I told you about the time that I saw that someone ran up to me in the graveyard and then no one was there when I was out on the balcony, um, which was actually a tomb. Um, so one other night I was out on the tombstone and I remember now the gardens were closed, at, sorry, not the gardens, the cemetery was closed at that time or the graveyard to Americans. And um, so you couldn't go in after a certain time. And I remember I was having a glass of wine. I'm sure it was a Friday night. And um, I was having a, I used to smoke, so I was outside smoking. And um, I saw, and I told Rick this as well, I literally saw what I think was a full-bodied apparition float through the graveyard out towards the gate. No. And I was like, oh my God, Rick, I think I just seen a ghost. And he was like, shut up, Lauren. Um, like, no, dad. <laughs> but it was coming, but it came from the Mackenzie Portergeist area. <gasps> yeah, so I was like, what if you saw George Mackenzie in the afterlife? I don't know. I definitely, I'm, I'm sure I've seen loads of things, but I've just haven't had my glasses on at the time. <laughs> <laughs> like so. Do you know how we're doing the magic in my book club? I was telling you. Yeah. Well, the girl who does it, Fran, um, who's got a podcast that you love. So she yep. is recording. It's a daily practice. So she's recording a podcast episode for every day we do the practices. And she was one was for health, and she's like, "I was in London for the first time after laser eye surgery, and I was just so happy I could bloody see." And she was basically <laughs> saying that she'd been taken the wrong way home for years, like a short <laughs> way because she didn't know that there was a faster way because she couldn't see. Oh my god, the pain is real. See when you need glasses. Oh, and if you're as short sighted as me. 
I mean, I'm technically blind. Like, if I lost my contact lenses and my glasses... Would you be registered blind? I would literally be blind, yeah. Like, I'd literally... Like, I'd need to have someone guide me home. Are you over minus six? Yeah. What are you? Minus 7.5. Wow, babes. Does your mum or dad have bad eyesight? Yeah, both well, my mum does. My dad doesn't. You're like, thanks, mum. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, thanks. It's like, I literally, in 23 me, it's, it literally says that I've got that in my... No my way. Oh, yeah. How did people cope back in the day when we were caveman? How did you live? I would die. I couldn't see a tiger coming. I mean, I'm only minus two, so I feel like I'm preaching to the wrong... I'm going to get laser eye surgery in a few years' time. Oh my God, I think I might get it too. Because what's it like to wake up and see? I don't know, but my best friend she was even blinder than me and she's I don't even I can't even you would never fathom how blind she is but she was very blind she got laser eye surgery I won't say who it is but my one of my closest friends my best friend and um she was like it's unbelievable you wake up like and she she used to have like milk bottle glasses like that's she's got terrible eyesight and she said it's honestly it's like a reawakening I can imagine however from working with people who are like ophthalmologists, like the doctors, they're like, most don't last no- longer than 10 years and the side effects are really bad. They don't recommend it. But also I'm like, being able to see though. <laughs> I don't know. As long as I can always, by the way, I've realised we've, we've gone off on a tangent again. So sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, As long as I can always wear contacts, then I'm good. And if I can't, then I'm screwed. Yeah, exactly. So guys. Same girl, same. Anyway, so I definitely saw a ghost. I saw a ghost that time, and it was and it came from the Mackenzie Portergeist uh, thing wing. <laughs> that got that went from you seeing potentially ghosts to us talking about getting laser eye surgery so we could see them. Iconic. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Icons we don't deserve. Okay. Okay, first I'm going to talk about Greyfriars, where your flat used to be. Every time I've been on those tours, I'm like, my friend used to live there. My friend is living that flat there. I know. <laughs> um, so, Greyfriars is in the southern air. Southern air. <laughs> southern edge of Old Town, next to George Heriot's school. It takes its name from a Franciscan friary, but was on site, which was on site in the Kirkyard, and that dissolved in 1562. It was estimated to have been functional from about 1560 onwards. It was founded to replace the churchyard, which is at St. Giles Cathedral, and it was on land granted to Edinburgh by Mary, Queen of Scots. The decision was made because the burial ground situation situated on Edinburgh's High Street had become so overcrowded with burials that the smells became unbearable and permeated through the old town in summer months. Can you imagine? Yes. Yes, but also don't want to experience it. Yeah. Overcrowding was so bad and that carried on to the kirkyard that I'm going to discuss today that um, in 1860, Greyfriars Kirkyard was shut. Um, a couple of burials were done in the 20th century, but none since then. So for people who have been there, they'll they'll be able to picture this a bit better, but you kind of walk in through like um, tall black gates and when you enter, the kirkyard slopes upward on an incline. And there's a hill and you have the most amazing views over the city of Edinburgh. The tombstones are so antiquated and worn. They're almost like dingy and damp looking. Yeah. The tombstones. Some of them are quite, I don't know, you might talk about this, but like there's so, they're so old. They've got so many like macabre, like 
skulls on them yeah. and things like that, like very gothic, you know? Yes. Uh, so you go up the hill, but this hill isn't a natural hill. Do you know why, Lauren? No. Because there's so many bodies buried under it that it forms a hill. <gasps> oh, so my God. The graveyard has, there's a varying figure, but at the very least, there's 100,000 bodies in that graveyard. And it could be as up to half a million. Now, this is not a big place <laughs> to have it's that not. many places. But they basically had a plague pit where they piled people in that had the plague. Some of them weren't even dead yet. They just were chucked in the pile. Oh and this God. huge pile of people became the hill. That's why it's on a hill. I don't know if you cover this, so stop me if you do. But I had heard when I was living, when, when my former landlord was telling me about the like our flat and stuff so we definitely have bodies in the actual building itself like literally like as in in the mortar practically but there was a terrible flood a few years ago and yeah yes i think we're going to talk about the same thing um i won't see you know what my next sentence is Is a bad pit a bad bitch on this podcast had a flat within the kirkyard as its back garden (laughs) The graveyard's pretty notorious worldwide, especially for people who like ghost hunt and things like that. And it's consistently voted one of the most haunted places in the world. Many of the bodies that form this hill and are in, there, in the graveyard, um, unfortunately, were victims of the bubonic plague, which overtook Edinburgh at the time. People lived in complete squalor. And the plague claimed the lives of so many people that it, the Kirkyard now is a literal plague pit, pretty much. Uh, so full... It's the kirkyard with corpses that on a rainy day, like you said, on a day that there's a lot of floods, bones can be seen poking through the soil. Yep. That is wild. I've, yeah, I've literally seen them. Because I was always like, I've never actually seen one, but now that you've seen you've seen it, even worse. I will, it's just like, you're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are still cages over some of the the graves and that's from the days of good old Burke and Hare who might make a cheeky little appearance on the podcast obviously not themselves (laughs) (laughs) I hope not coming to you live (laughs) Um, but people would pay extra to have these cages over the graves to protect their loved ones from the nefarious body snatchers there's quite a lot of famous graves there that I'm going to mention including the one of Tom Riddle who inspired J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter there's also the grave of Greyfriars Bobby, who was a well-loved dog who was seen in the 1800s walking around with his loved owner. And then when his owner died, he slept at the grave every night. That's yeah. where the niceness stops, guys. So the history is dark of Greyfriars. But perhaps one of the darkest histories is that of Covenanter's prison. This was founded in 1638 and is basically been named the world's very first concentration camp. So a bit of history about this. The signing of the National Covenant... Why can I not talk today? National Covenant in February of this year brought huge dissonance in Scotland. They didn't take kindly to the fact that Charles I was attempting to make Scottish religion more aligned with that of the English church unsurprisingly didn't go down very well with Scottish people who felt that they should be guided by God and not the English I put in brackets fair 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 game they felt that only God could lead them and they fought heartily for their right to practice 
Presbyterian religion. So they would gather in Greyfriars Kirkyard to hear the reading of this National Covenant. And they basically protest their, protest, <laughs> protested in loyalty to the Scottish Church. This led to decades of bloody war between the Covenanters and the King as they fought to take control of the Church. Now in 1679, which was 40 years after this, 1,200 Covenanters were imprisoned in Greyfriars Kirkyard after losing the Battle of Bothwell Brig. Their treatment was abhorrent. By the way, I'm so mad with marks in my vocabulary in this. Yeah. So they were kept in open air in Scottish winter and they were only allowed four ounces of bread a day. Now, if you're like me and you're like, I don't really know what that means in life context, that's about two to three slices of bread per day. Oh my God. Here they were tortured brutally. Disease spread like wildfire and took many lives, but these people might not have been the worst off in this situation. They were left in the open air in freezing cold weather, outdoor area without food, water or shelter. Hundreds died. They were mistreated by the guards there. And if they tried to escape, they put their heads on spikes outside. Many were hung for treason. If they attempted to escape, they were shot. The only real route out of the Covenanters' prison as a free man was by death or by signing a document renouncing Presbyterianism. They were buried in the Covenanters' prison in unmarked graves throughout. And this is... I would would completely just be like, yeah, give me that paper. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, Jesus, who? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know, but I think it's like, you say that, nah. That's like nowadays being like, you have to sign a thing to say that you want to be English, not Scottish. I'd die if I yeah I wouldn't die to be Scottish <laughs> no I wouldn't die to be Scottish either no um, no no so yeah I'd still sign I it. would still sign it today 100% <laughs> um, so many of the prisoners died due to hypothermia due to frostbite and roughly 250 of the Covenanters were sentenced to deportation from Scotland and sold as slaves however almost all of these prisoners on board perished just off the Orkney Islands. Only about 40 have survived. Oh and there's actually a memorial in Orkney Islands for them that looks out onto the sea where that the shipwreck was. That's nice. Yeah. Now, as infamous as the Kirkyard itself is Lord Advocate, who oversaw all the treatment of the Covenanters. Are we ready? Let's go. Sir George Mackenzie. He had the nickname Bloody Mackenzie due to his repugnant treatment of the Covenanters. I'm a little bit more Meredith Marks. <laughs> mm. He was a lawyer, like Meredith Marks, <laughs> perhaps ironically, began his career actually defending the rights of the Covenanters. He was the founder of the Advocates Li- Library in Edinburgh, which is now the National Library of Scotland. Can I just say something there, by the way? Somebody at work today asked if I was Northern Irish. What? No, I was like, what? Anyway, he, so George Mackenzie attended Aberdeen's King's College. He attended the University of Aberdeen. Same dude. Uh, in 1650, then he travelled to France and he studied law at the University University of Bourges and graduated in 1658. 
After returning to Scotland, he was admitted to the Faculty of Advocates. And during this time in his life, he was actually well known for being quite a helpful man. Early on in his career, he defended Archibald Campbell, who was the Marquis of Argyll. In a trial in 1661, uh, Argyll was being tried because he was a vocal covenanter. And he was sentenced to execution and his head was displayed on a spike outside of St. Giles. But he was defended by George Mackenzie at this point, which is really interesting when you know what he goes on to do. Mackenzie was also a very vocal dismissive of the witch trials that would sweep Scotland in the 1600s. Throwback to the witch trials of North Berwick. <clears throat> he stated that they are basically going after harmless old women. For real? So far, so good. Like, so far, he sounds like an okay guy. Mm-hmm. Something switched, though. And by 1677, after he was appointed Lord Advocate, he was described as ruthless. He was appointed as taking care of the Covenanters. And Scotland during this time was in the midst of the uproar against the Church of England by the Covenanters. And he, as Lord Advocate, was charged with dealing with them. He was brutal and he earned his nickname Bloody Mackenzie, which he is still known by today. He resigned as Lord Advocate in 1686 and was fairly unbothered by his past behaviour. He gave religious control back to the Covenanter Presbyterians and he opposed the dethronement of James II. And because of this, he ran away from Scotland to avoid any consequences for supporting him. So he went to London, lived there, died in Westminster on the 8th of May, 1691. He was transferred transferred back to Edinburgh after he died and is now housed in a mausoleum in the Greyfriars Kirkyard called the Black Mausoleum. So, Sir Mackenzie, Bloody Mackenzie, had a reputation for being the most brutal and ruthless ruler over the prisoners. They were tortured. He was earned the nickname of Bloody Mackenzie, like I said, And I really don't know where the switch was because it sounds like he was a fairly reasonable, articulate man and he just became a massive arsehole. Was he drunk on power? Who knows? So, he was buried in a tomb called the Black Mausoleum. And it's in Greyfriars Kirkyard today. You can go and see it. We've gone and seen it, been near it very many times. And there has been so much activity there that the council has had to close it, to lock it. You used to be able to go inside it. No, oh yeah, no, I didn't know that, sorry. And uh, people who have stood outside said they've been blasted by cold air, they've been pushed by something. Another woman was found on the ground unconscious and when she came to, there was paramedics around her and she had choke marks, hands around her neck. Oh my God. This guy is a massive C-word. I'm going to just say it. The tomb itself is very ominous. Would you agree, Lauren? It's a big, huge, kind of circular, dingy, dark tomb. It's very, it is a very dark tomb compared to a lot of the other ones and stuff. Yeah, it's great. It looks like it could use a little bit of silly bang. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, could do with a scrubbing, eh? Could do with a wee scrub. Uh, but he basically, story has it, that he wanted to look over all the prisoners he had ruled all those years before. I don't know how true I think that is. I think he just wanted to come back to Edinburgh, but yeah. This guy was not a very nice guy, and that seems to have gone through into the afterlife. So 
people who go there, you will hear all these stories of all these tourists who go and are attacked by unseen forces. And I think, Lauren, you'll probably feel the same. The most famous is kind of scratches. So people will go either either in the Covenanters prison or near the mausoleum and they will end up scratched or harmed or burned in some way. You can actually taunt uh, Lord Mackenzie at the door if you want and knock three times or say his name. And on some tours I've been on, they they ask if you want him to follow you home. You knock three times and say, Lady Mackenzie, come out if you dare. Now, when I did this tour, my ex-boyfriend went to knock. Did he? You're about to go in a tomb your damn self if you do that. (laughs) As it to launch him out of the courtyard, I was like, are you joking? Um, But I'm just going to quickly tell a personal story before I go on. So I did that tour. Stopped him knocking, but... I've never, I've never had anything happen outside it, but I, there was one time that I was there that I just felt very off. I felt very unsettled outside the, the mausoleum. I think I've told you the story, Lauren. And uh, I was in Aberdeen at the time, but because we were at home in Edinburgh, we went back to stay at my mum and dad's house and they were out. So we had a free house and we did the really late tour. So we must have got back about like one or two in the morning, like it was late. And I was like, something followed us home. And he was like, no, really? no. And I was like, oh, I just felt so unsettled. For the first time, I had never felt like that on that tour, but I really felt unsettled. Mm-hmm. And we went to bed and he had already fell asleep. Men, he'd already <laughs> fell asleep. And I was like lying in bed and I could hear footsteps and I could feel like I just felt like somebody was there. Oh, my God. To wake him up and I was like, I think there's somebody in the house. <gasps> so he got up in his boxers. <laughs> And like he looked around the house and he was like, no one's here. And I was like, I can hear and feel somebody standing there. It was horrible. And we just had to put friends on to fall back asleep. I was terrified. That is so freaky. Yeah, I do do hear that though. Like people that go on the vaults tours and stuff. Mm -hmm. That was the only time really that I felt like that. Like other times I've been like, nah. But I felt very uneasy even when I was outside it. Um, So I think he's as ruthless as a ghost as he was as a person. Uh, There's a horrible story. I don't think it's a story. I think it's a true tale. Of it is a true home- tale. A homeless man who came into the courtyard one night seeking shelter, seeking somewhere to sleep, somewhere dry, a little bit warm. So he sneaks into the mausoleum and is horrified when the floorboards give way and he wakes up and finds himself surrounded by a skeleton. Surrounded by a skeleton. <laughs> right in the middle of it all. Can you imagine? I um I, I knew about that. Are you gonna cover the other thing? About the boys that stole the I was gonna briefly. Because I always get those two tales confused. Yeah. Because I, I, the, first I one, thought... the first story that was an accident kind of accidental break into the tomb that he was just looking for shelter and ended up because I'm sure I read somewhere, obviously it's his tomb, but I'm sure that I read somewhere to save space they had chucked more bodies in. But yeah, there was, yeah, surrounded by skeleton. <laughs> so I was like, I suppose it's only him, but it was other people. Um, so I think some of Mackenzie's relatives were there as well. And the second story that we mentioned, um, and I actually have heard a rumor, allegedly, 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 I'm not saying it was, that one of the boys was Luke Mitchell. What the guy that was in prison for? Killing Jodie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is there's another. 
a local yor- yarn then, obviously. I was at school, they were like, that was him. Like, that was why he was... Anyway. And so anyway, the story is that two 14-year-old boys broke into Mackenzie's tomb and found his head. Sorry to use his head as a football. <laughs> what is wrong with you if you do that? Can you imagine doing that at 14? No, that's really Can you imagine up. doing that ever, but especially at 14? No, never. Also, <laughs> like, like imagine how vulgar that would be to touch. That sounds grim. I know, it's minging. So basically, I think that the, the bodies had a lot more flesh than one would, might have thought with the amount of time that had passed. I think decomposition was quite slow because it was in a protected area. That is disgusting. <laughs> is that because they'd been lead coffins though as well? Yeah, I think the, the way that they were kept and also they weren't in the soil, they were in brick, you know? Ah, right, okay. And so are we ready for this spooky stuff? Yeah. I've got a few stories to tell about it. Like I said, most infamous ones are scratches. And if you just Google the Mackenzie Poltergeist, photos will come up of people who have been scratched by the Mackenzie Poltergeist. But I actually struggled just on the internet to find a set story of something that had happened to someone. There was just photos and people were selling news articles, but not really a set actual story. So I deep dove Reddit. Nice. And some crackers. By the way, are you, are you pleased that Peggy's come to listen to your story in this, like, wee way? Hi, baby. Okay, so the first one was in the Paranormal Reddit category, shockingly. And I actually haven't got their name, but I'll credit it. So the title is Attacked by a Poltergeist in the Most Haunted Place in the World. <laughs> so, Greyfriars Kirkyard, Edinburgh is said to be the most haunted place in the world with over 500 reported ghost attacks. The Mackenzie Poltergeist is said to haunt the family mausoleum within the Kirkyard grounds. So far, documented injuries perpetrated by the Mackenzie Poltergeist include burns, skin gouges, unexplained bruises, broken fingers, hair being pulled, punches, scratches and kicks. Some visitors experience nausea or numbness, strange smells and auditory hallucinations, as well as wall banging and floor knocks. All occurred with multiple witnesses. I myself encountered the poltergeist in 2006, when my boyfriend and I went on a ghost tour of Edinburgh City. It was the middle of November and bitterly cold. I decided to dress cosy as I could. And I ended up wearing two pairs of tights and thick pair of socks underneath my jeans. Hen, you need to chill out. Hills. A jumper with a fluffy hooded jacket topped off with a pair of soft knee-high suede boots, a scarf and a bobble beanie. I was warm <laughs> as fuck. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised either, Trini. It's <laughs> not Lapland, babes. <laughs> with my ski boots I bought from Jules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say... Down. I live in Aberdeen. Aberdeen was so much colder. Okay. Yeah, Aberdeen was better when I used to visit. Greyfriars Kirkyard itself is eerie as hell. Being built on a hill of plague, plague bodies is the reason it is a hill. Our tour guide informed us of the creepy fact that the locked section of the Kirkyard was in fact one of Europe's first concentration camps during the reign of King Charles I. And the groundskeeper regularly finds all kinds of dead, mutilated animals littered throughout that area more so than in any area of the Kirkyard. 
the Mackenzie mausoleum, Leon Sage. Sorry to interrupt. I can't believe I used to just casually go out and smoke on a tomb like every night in the in the darkness and be like, "You okay? You okay, hun? I think he's a pal, mal, Georgie, babe." <laughs> Honestly, like I would just when I when we used to have parties, like people would climb out and be drinking and stuff. I mean, honestly. So bad. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. As you would expect with a ghost tour, the crew had heaps of well-timed frights planned along the way. We were reg- regularly accosted by the spooky spectres and whooping witches of the tour. The tour's big climax brought us to the Mackenzie Mausoleum, a hub of the tour's well-documented ghostly activity. While standing in the freezing cold, the pitch-black main chamber of the notorious mausoleum, we were told the tale of Bloody Mackenzie and the legends of his ruthlessness. The tour guide also waxed lyrical about all of the supernaturals going on that the other staff had had happened, as well as other visitors. When he extinguished his torch to tell us the stories we had all waited with bated breath to see if our group would be lucky enough to experience any ghostly goings on. We were left disappointed when the only big fright of the night turned out to be just another crew member jumping out of the dark and screeching at us. A good laugh and a good time were had by all, but overall we were a bit let down. Until I returned to my hotel room and proceeded to get undressed to put on my pyjamas. As I peeled off the many layers I had donned, must have taken her ages. I was going to say, probably the next day. (laughs) As I peeled off the many layers I had donned to protect myself from the cold, my boyfriend and I were both stunned to discover that my legs and knees were covered in tiny, bloody scratches. Honestly, looked as if I'd been mauled by a cat. So thin and razor like were my wounds. They decorated my skin so regularly, I could only stare. My eyes were wide with wonder. I hadn't felt a thing all night, and for something to scratch me that violently underneath all those layers of clothes was astonishing. To this day, I still wish we had taken a photo, but still, I guess with my luck, we weren't left completely disappointed that night because Mac- the Mackenzie poltergeist did strike after all. Scary. I had heard like loads. Do you know what we used to hear every single night? <laughs> like, like people jumping from, out from the living room we'd hear people being like ah! <laughs> you're like what are they like <laughs> that's so funny <clears throat> the next one i'm going to read uh, is titled is it possible to get cursed stroke text by a poltergeist oh, and this oh, is by wix themselves okay I have a friend who went to the Black Mausoleum in Edinburgh to see the Mackenzie poltergeist when she was around 12. She saw a man moving in her direction, which she mistook for one of the visitors, and he kind of touched her shoulder in a ghostly way, walking right through her. The next day, she saw a massive bruise exactly where the ghost had touched her in the mausoleum. She saw a similar but smaller bruise on her sister's body as well, who was there with her. Now, the Mackenzie Poltergeist is the best documented paranormal case in the world. That's a big claim. I was going to say, that's a reach in it. <laughs> I was like, is it? Because I struggle to find like actual formal <laughs> documentation of it, you know? I'm telling you, it's the best. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, just ask the FBI. <laughs> Many people have left his tomb with cold and hot spots, bruises, cuts and burns. 
There have been over 500 reported attacks by the poltergeist onto visitors since the poltergeist was first disturbed back in 1999. Dead animals are often found completely unmarked next to Mackenzie's tomb. The area is plagued by fires. Did you know that? that apparently loads of fires happen in the buildings around it. Um, no. Thank God I'm on the other side, or I was on the other side. <laughs> yeah, there's been like multiple fires. Uh, a fire swept through the houses of all the people who overlook the area. Again, a sweeping statement. Didn't happen to you. Well, in fairness, and I'm just going to say this, there's a lot of restaurants on that side that are attached okay. to the flats. So, yeah. Probably not that. Not that. Not that unpleasant. Extraordinary, yeah. yeah. Um, overlook the area and work on the Mackenzie case, who organised tours and so on even though the other unrelated houses remained untouched. There was poltergeist activities reported in four different houses in the area next to it too. I wonder if yours is one of those. (laughs) When the bottle got knocked over. Oh, yeah. Look, listen, what I will say was when I was alone in that flat, and like I said, I know I said in one of the earlier episodes, um, you know, Rick probably experienced more than me, but he was so cynical he probably didn't, like, tell me. (laughs) But, like, um, when I was alone in the flat, I used to... I used to like be really weirded out and used to hear things and stuff. But I used to just, you know, be like, oh, it's probably nothing. But it was something. It was something. <laughs> just a little something, something. It was something, something. So I don't know what the explanation for all of this is, but let's say hypothetically, the Mackenzie case is an example of genuine poltergeist stroke demon activity. Do you think the poltergeist would be able to curse the people who disrupted him if we assume for the sake of that question that demons and ghosts are actually real? The friend I'm talking about has really horrible, genuinely traumatising stuff happening to her all the time. And it's been like that since she was a teenager and visited the Mackenzie poltergeist. Do you think it's possible that the poltergeist or demon or whatever it is has somehow marked her and now she's cursed? Is this like a general question pointed at us or? This is asking the people off Reddit. One of my favourite comments was um, (laughs) one of the articles was, alternatively, it might have been the hordes of undead junkies clawing at you. (laughs) Thank you. Nah, actually, they're nice they're really nice <laughs> actually but before i was before i moved into that flat i was on a tour years before and i remember i can't remember who i was with i might have been with Karen. i can't remember and um so we had to stop the tour because there was a like somebody was like you know obviously someone who was like an addict or whatever was hiding behind a tomb and just being like oh like jumping out and the guy freaked out and was like look we have to call security and all this type of stuff so it does happen <laughs> It does. Oh my god, I'm going to do that in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Okay, last and third story is called Bloody Mackenzie Wanted to Say Hello. Basically, I was on a ghost hunt with my mum since our city, so she's obviously from Edinburgh, is a reputedly very haunted city. We were in Greyfriars Kirkyard, a place with a reputation due to the poltergeist of George Mackenzie. Reports include attacking such as scratches or finger marks appearing on people, touching them, and people even faint in the mausoleum where he's buried. You can Google it if you're interested, as there's a lot of history on this. I was at the Covenanters prison outside the gate, and it's locked unless you're on the ghost tour. True that. And I asked for something to happen, but nothing did. So I stupidly called Mackenzie a shit poltergeist. (laughs) (laughs) 
to be fair, that's the way to get a reaction. As I went to Mackenzie's mausoleum, I felt very uncomfortable, but shrugged it off. Girl, same. Or boy, same. Or non-binary, same. As my mum was recording to try and get some EVP, we both heard a knock coming from inside the padlocked mausoleum. We recorded some more, but nothing was happening, so we turned off the recorder, and straight away there was another knock. There was nobody in that mausoleum, and I can guarantee it. As we were photographing the flash inside through the windows, nothing was there. And there was construction going on in the actual church as well, but I promise you this would sound different to those, and it was coming from inside the mausoleum. It was creepy as hell. So... Yeah, don't go unless you want to be very scared or scratched. Yeah, and also I mean, there's like I don't know if you've they've showed you at the end of the tour the like book of all the photos of the attacks and things like that that are reported to have happened. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, they they showed they showed us it when we were there. It's um for sure because I never really I only went on one tour like years ago. I I, I was always down the vault, so that was my thing. But like. I'll tell you what I used to do on a Saturday. I would walk up to the market and then like some days if I wanted a wee walk, I'd walk around the graveyard and just kind of like wander about and just like... Just vibe. And then I would just climb up one of the tombs to go back in my window. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm just going to have a flag on Peggy's tomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And probably not have like... I think that was probably a bad thing to do because I kind of just like advertised that you could definitely get into our window. <laughs> like... So, but you don't live there anymore. I know. So all good. Wow. I mean, to anyone that's going, they should go and see the Muslim. It is very. It's quite. It is. It is black. They're not lying. It's a dark tomb, and it's yeah. Foreboding. I find all of Greyfriars a little bit like that. I don't know if you're the same. All of it feels very dingy and damp and. I see when you're there in summertime there's actually blossoms there's like um yeah I've seen it when there's been daffodils and stuff like cherry blossoms and it's stunning it's and the view is gorge like you those people I mean, gave their lives for us to have a better view over in <laughs> I know totally like the view is raw but it's stunning. but I mean the gravestones like they look old all of them look very old some of them are completely yeah. illegible because they're so old yeah yeah, yeah they are yeah and, like, I don't know like I don't know I just even when in a summer's night and stuff like it's so old and like the history is so grim it's so interesting though like if you haven't been and you're going to be in Edinburgh like for sure recommend going yeah definitely also sometimes the um the church and the graveyard has like nice little markets and stuff so isn't it crazy? Like, I knew this before I last been, but like, I'm just thinking of how steep that hill is. The fact that that isn't that way because there's so many bodies. That is wild. I can't, I must have known that fact, but I just couldn't remember. So thanks for reminding me that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can remember, right? Cause I'm such a TP on these two because I've been on them so many times. And they're like, why do they have cages over the graves? And I'm like, because there was body snatchers. <laughs> Put your hands up. Allegedly, I'm like, I'm like, I know, I know, I know. Um, but I forgot about like it was, I forgot about how many bodies were there, and the tour yeah. asked how many bodies do you think are buried here, and I was like ten thousand, and he was like more than that, and I went three million. 
it's wild to think that as well but then you think about the plague and you're like of course that's like because there's a lot of really there's a lot of graveyards in the old town as well like you know there's one just up yeah. the road and it's like babe what yeah. are you doing so I'm rubbing my leg <laughs> <laughs> sorry and I'm readjusting my pants in a non-sexual you can understand way. why I was like do you need me to go <laughs> no do you know what? I'm, I'm I'm scratching my leg are you does it feel nice well, it needed to happen. <laughs> You're like, it was a niche that got scratched. Do you know what I mean? It's a niche that got scratched. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like so like the memories of my the, the old like Greyfriars is just too much. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. So that is. Well, thank you. The three. There is so much history and everything on it that if you want to know more, you can find you can find more. There's just so much that you could have covered. Yeah. Um. And is this place haunted? Yes. Yes, it is. And this I know it is. It's haunted. 100% it's haunted. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Thanks, babes. What a great episode. I hope you liked it. I'm going to I'm gonna try and slickly edit. I, I, like clearly I, can talk. <laughs> I clearly did. <laughs> I was like, I know you like this story, Lauren, but Jesus. Oh, yeah. Just, I'm just going to paint the picture that Lauren basically had her hand under the covers and was like rubbing it. I was rubbing my leg Babes, but I, yeah, I can understand why I was like are you okay yeah I'm like ah, it was the God. fact that like it went on for a while I was like she's and, and, yeah Babes, well, make, make money really strong, put it on OnlyFans <laughs> well, well, making really strong eye contact um yeah well I need to make extra dollar anyway well get your feet in that video on there and you'll be sorted should I get the these in as well yeah 100 100 percent. have you seen the meme that's like um after a bad day of work and it's um the, the caption is and you set your tinder to 60 plus and then it's Gemma collins like i'm gonna be a millionaire <laughs> what a yeah, vibe yeah. <laughs> what a vibe but yeah thank oh. you guys for listening hope you enjoyed it thanks guys and say that's my only fans Sign up to our OnlyFans, <laughs> sign up to our Patreon, and live your best life, basically. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.